There are certain moments and words that shaped a new era in pro wrestling. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Brett screwed Brett. Die, Rocky, die. Suck it! Introducing the Book of Wrestling, 25 catchphrases that explain the Attitude Era. Tune in as we relive one of the most exciting, intense, and over-the-top times in WWE with new interviews with the voices that made the promos, calls, and catchphrases into history. Listen now. It's the Full Go presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. And right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays, or SGPs as the kids like to call them, all on one page. Plus, start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21+. plus. 18 plus in DC and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler or visit rg help.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Chicago everywhere. Check it. It's not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here. Well, I'm at Full Go. The Full Go Podcast. The Full Go. Bears, Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks. Our man, Jason Goff. Three times a week with Jason Goff. His mood is elevated. He is feeling good. Jason, I'm loving the Full Go. Love the Full Go. The Full Go. The Full Go. Welcome to Full Go with Jason Goff. That is what I'm talking about. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah. I've been tasked with the, uh, the unenviable task of making this shit interesting this evening. Uh, wherever you're listening, whenever you're listening to this, we appreciate you. This is episode what? 93. 93? Are you sure? Huh? You're not working for the the, the the Spotify secret agents trying to make let, sure let me double check now because they got me worried. Nah, I'm messing with you. I'm messing with you. It is 93. It's episode 93 of the Full Go Podcast with Jason Goff, brought to you by The Ringer. And of course, Spotify is the gang. That man that you heard just now, that's the act of Jesse Lopez. I'm Jason Goff. And you know, I'm not in the business of lying to y'all on this podcast. There, there are many uh, platforms where people employ you and they try to tell you what to say or how to say it or how to feel about it. This ain't one of those things. Bill Simmons touched down with me and said, hey, man, I heard you was a dude that knew how to do some things in Chicago in terms of sports. I was like, yeah, man, just let me do my thing. He's like, do your thing. All right, cool. And now 93 episodes later, here we are. Guess what, y'all? 
I'm not going to lie to y'all about how my night went tonight. And I, I, Fine. Bulls got their ass kicked. They got beat by 30 points. Game three. First playoff game at the United Center since April 28, 2017. It's been five years since the Bulls have been in the playoffs. Five years since a playoff game has been played at the United Center. <sighs> I'm going to take you guys behind the scenes a little bit here. So we do the pregame show. And when I say we, I'm talking about Kendall Gill, myself, and of course, Will Purdue on NBC Sports Chicago here in the great city of Chicago. And sometimes, sometimes we tape segments for the pregame. Sometimes we do the pregame all the way through live. And tonight was an all the way through live game. And boy, was I upset because I just knew that there was going to be some part of the first quarter that I missed. And then I would jump in there at halftime, not knowing what the hell I was talking about, or get in there in the fourth quarter hit that we usually do after the second timeout of the fourth quarter and not know what the hell I was talking about. Hopefully something doesn't happen in the beginning of the game when some things like these occur, right? Whenever scheduling conflicts happen or whatever you got, like we've got the White Sox on our air, of course, and we've got the Blackhawks. So there's a lot of different games, a lot of things you got to jungle with the studio. I can dig it. But boy, 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 boy. By the time I got to the United Center, the basketball game was over. Simple as that. By the time I pulled up, pulled into the, the, the you know, gate three and a half, the, the, the media entrance, said what's up to one of my favorite security guards, and then said what's up to another ticket person, gave out the fist bumps, went downstairs, put my coat up in the media room, gave out another couple fist bumps to some of the security people who always hold me down, walked through the tunnel, see my man Lindsay, another one of the security people, see Sean, another one of the security people, make my way out to the tunnel, right over there was a gate 115, somewhere around there in the entrance area, walk over by the Bucks bench, say what's up to KC Johnson, my man Rob Schaefer, my colleagues over at NBCSportsChicago.com. And by that time, the game was over, ladies and gentlemen. The Chicago Bulls got a fresh can of ass wax applied. If you're ever looking for a good ass wax, and tonight was the night to get your ass waxed. Because that thing looked like a team who, and, and we've talked about it on this pod for going back now, the beginning of the season, middle of the season, end of the season, there has to be an emphasis or a re-emphasis of fundamental things that shouldn't have to be emphasized when it comes to Bulls basketball, whether it be defensively or, in this case, offensively. Yeah, you can look at the 111 points that the Bucks put up tonight and go, okay, defensively, you could have held them to under that. But I'm looking at the 81. That's the problem. This Bulls offense, man, there, there are... There are moments where this team is okay with being relegated to shooting jump shots. And when their jump shots are going in, then it's all good. But when those jump shots aren't going in, then this team doesn't have an effective enough plan B. And I'm sorry. If you don't shoot threes, there's a, there's a few rules in the NBA in terms of the, the general math. If you don't shoot threes, you better defend the three at an all-world level and you better get to the free throw line. Guess what didn't happen tonight? The Bulls didn't defend the three-point arc at an all-world level and they didn't get to the free throw line. The Bulls, after shooting, what, 15 free throws in game one of this series? I'm sorry, game two of this series? They come out tonight and let me, let me look it up here. Let me Let me... Let me get my stats together here so I can give you the lowdown on what the Bulls shot tonight from the free throw line. Because I believe 
It's seven shots or something like that, if I'm not mistaken. I threw my box score away because I didn't want to have any remnants of that game on my person after I left the United Center. But yeah, the Bulls didn't get to the free throw line tonight. The Bulls took 10 free throws. 10 total. Now, you might say to yourself, hey, man, the Bucs only took 14. That's fine. The Bucs came out and lit your ass on fire early enough that they didn't have to be the aggressors after that. All they had to do was trade baskets with you. Bulls won one quarter, and that was the fourth. And that was by one point when it was garbage time. I don't know, man. You know, as, as good as I was feeling about game two, that's as bad as I'm feeling about game three. You know why? Game three, historically, this is the, this is the second worst playoff loss in franchise history in terms of margin of victory or margin of defeat, I should say. Margin of defeat, 30 points. This team is not 30 points better than the Bulls. So you ask yourself, what's going on here? Too many times, this team has to be reminded who they have to be. And too many times, this team is reminded by the other team who they are currently. And I know you got to get through certain things. You got to go through the, the, the playoff bumps, the trials and tribulations, the steps, you know, that we all talk about where three, four years from now, if this team turns out to be an eventual con contender or a champion, that we'd look back at this series. But man, I'm sorry. In the moment, you shouldn't have to be reminded that you're going to have to go hard against a team that doesn't have Chris Middleton. They knew what they didn't have coming into this game. Bobby Portis went out there ready for war. Bobby Portis was upset about what happened to his eye, upset that he had to wear goggles, and went out there and balled. Grayson Allen, who didn't hit a shot seemingly for the first two games of this series, came out and lit your ass on fire too. I'm sorry, man. I, from everything that I heard from Alex Caruso and DeMar DeRozan and Billy Donovan in the postgame, in, in terms of how they felt they had to meet the aggression, they had to meet the physicality, they had to meet the intensity of the Milwaukee Bucks. They came out in this game three, and Billy mentioned something about the cost of admission, how this Bulls team had barely paid the cost of admission. Like, the game two, defense and intensity and all the things that we patted them on the back for, that's just the cost of admission. That's just the cost to get into the club, right? Now, how about you show up the next Saturday or the next Sunday or the next Thursday, whenever you're going out to the club and think you're going to get in once again because you paid last time you was there. That's how the Bulls played. They played like, okay, that last effort was cool enough. We should just go out there, throw the jerseys on, and be able to replicate that. And they found out that's not the case. Too much pouting. Too little lack of response. Like, this is not what... And, and there were some Bulls legends walking around the UC tonight. There were some guys who have won championships. There were some guys who have had deep playoff runs. Nobody in that building tonight should be happy with what occurred. Nobody. This team had fans who have been waiting for five years to see them perform on a stage that this city demands and deserves. Not a lot of better fan bases in the entire country than Bulls fans. And I'm talking about the Bulls fans who stayed after Jordan, who stayed after Derrick Rose's knees, who stayed after Jimmy Butler trade. Like, Bulls fans have been kicked in the rocks post-98 a few times. I'm one of them. <laughs> okay, Bulls stopped winning championships when I was 19, 18 years old. In fact, the Bulls' last championship was my graduation day. My graduation day uh, for, you know, 1998. My last day of high school, officially, was the night that 
you know, Byron Russell got pushed off and Jordan hit the shot. Yeah, I know everybody's going to get after me. Knock it off. You already know. You know, don't, don't, don't come to me. Don't get into my mentions with the foolishness. But yeah, man, it's a long time since I've been in high school, bro. <laughs> and we've caught waves and stretches of really, really good basketball. And we know what to expect. We know what we should be watching. And to watch that tonight against a team that you knew was going to come out ready to ready for war. When Chris Middleton is diagnosed out for three to four weeks or two to four weeks, whatever it is, with the MCL sprain, oh, yeah. You got Drew Holiday and Giannis Antetokounmpo squarely looking each other in the face like, all right, you know what we got to do now. We got to act like, see, and, and maybe if you're a Milwaukee Bucks fan, you're looking at this thing like, man, they putting on some hard miles early on in this playoff run. But, man, that game two and that game one, the Bucs did not play their best basketball games, and they came to you to the UC with a split. You were supposed to jump on them from the moment that ball goes up in the air. And I was listening to it on the radio. Shout out to Bill Winnington and Chuck Swirsky on the call. But three after three after three, Bobby Portis hit a few. Grayson Allen hit a few. Problem that I've had, and I've said it, I've said it behind the scenes, I've said it on camera. I've been privy to Bulls basketball from this perspective as the pre-post-game and halftime host with Kendall Gill and Will Purdue for the last three seasons. I can count on my hands, on one hand actually, how many hard fouls I've seen committed by this team. And that's when you was getting your ass kicked losing, you know? That was, that's, that's, that's when you, you, you're trying to figure out what the young guys were before you traded them away, you know, for, for Vooch. And then that's this year too when seemingly you've arrived back to relevance. If you're not going to run guys off the three-point arc, if guys are going to come in the lane just, you know, sauntering to and fro like Grayson Allen did, you are 30, and Grayson Allen thinks he can run through the lane after he broke the wrist of Alice Cruz. So I know, I know everybody out there saying, oh, beat him on the court, you know, match their intensity from the jump ball. That's cool. But when you're getting embarrassed and the dude who has cheap-shotted you at least a few times this season, because Alex Caruso wasn't the only one, but the dude who has done that a few times this season, who is on fire for whatever reason, you don't want to put him on his backside, you don't want to run underneath him, you don't want to do anything, you don't want to, you know, make him feel uncomfortable, for him to come down the lane up 30 as comfortably as he did I was next to a police officer and next to a security guard. So at that moment, I wasn't feeling as safe as I probably could. No, I'm just messing with you. Those are my guys. But both of them looked at me and was like, man, you got to be kidding me. And what can I say? Right? Because I was thinking the same thing. The Bulls got to figure out who they are and what they are. If you're the offensive team that uh, can go toe-to-toe with any trio in the league when it comes to scoring, then cool. You got to be that. But boy, when you got to rely on that muscle, when you got to rely on that uh, skill set every single night, that shit is rough. It's tough. If you can do it, though, God bless you. Not many teams could do it. That's why the other end of the court is so important. Guys got to take the fight to other teams before you have to be uh, reminded of it. 
Like, it should just be in you. I'm sorry. A playoff stage, it, if, if I'm any of these young dudes who have never been here before or I've only been in the league a few times, I don't care what's happening out there. If the vets around me are getting their ass dog walked, if I go hard, people going to remember in the blowout who was going hard. Those opportunities weren't seized tonight. And it, it just, I mean, Giannis Antetokounmpo had six points and the Milwaukee Bucks were up 16. Like, that's all you need to know. That's all you need to know. They went out there with a defensive plan. They tried to execute that defensive plan. Then all of a sudden, the Milwaukee Bucks turned into the champion Milwaukee Bucks and started hitting shots. So when a team starts hitting shots, what's your counter? Oh, wait a minute. We can, we can outshoot them. No, you can't. This is the other thing, too. There's a fatal flaw in the Bulls' offense when they have to be so perimeter-oriented. There's a reason why they haven't shot threes a lot this season because they don't have a lot of three-point shooters. Same shit will make you laugh, make you cry. That's what I say about Nikola Vucevic because everybody who wants him to solely be in the post, well, guess what? He's one of their two or three three three-point shooters on the team. You got rosters and lineups being rolled out here where there are four guys on the team. Oh, no, not on the team, on the floor who could knock down a three-point shot with consistency. Guys who you can't leave. Guys who you can't help off of. The Bulls at time Max have two, right? DeMar DeRozan is not a three-point shooter, right? We know where he gets his work done, 15 to 18, 19 feet. Zach Levine is one of those guys I'm talking about who can knock down three-pointers when, when, when on. And, of course, Vooch. So everybody wants Vooch to be in the post, including me. I'm raising my hand. Yeah, me too, me too. Vooch hit a couple of twos. I mean, I'm sorry, he hit a couple of threes. He hit two threes. And then, mixed, I mean, I think the next four or five. He ended up taking nine threes tonight, right? It's like the Josh Smith rule back in the day where, where Josh would hit one or two. Teams would be on over there like, okay, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. That means he's going to be out there all day. That means he's going to be searching for three, four, and five. And that's what happened with Nikola Vucevic tonight. And speaking of Zach Levine, you know, I am very aware of what Zach Levine is going through right now from people who are close to him and having talked to Zach um, one time in the last week and a half or so, very briefly, very aware of what he's going through right now. But Zach Levine suiting up means that Zach Levine has got to be aggressive Zach Levine. And there were some shots turned down tonight that healthy Zach doesn't turn down. But guess what? Healthy Zach isn't going to be here until next year. So you got to put those up. He got to put those up. Zach has to be as aggressive as he's been all season long. This is the time. Because game four is going to roll around here, and you're going to have a lot of fans coming into that arena trying to figure out, okay, all right, do I jump back in full-fledged? Because last time, that was an ass-whooping. I don't want to get my hopes up. Like, I think the UC is going to be on their hands a little bit, sitting on their hands trying to figure out what this team is how they will respond. And that's the problem that I'm having. And speaking of response, after this quick timeout, I have a, uh, a very, very important message to get to one of, uh, one of the guys who I want to be one of my favorite players in the NBA. We'll be back with more of the full goal with Jason Goff. After a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, 
nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Bulls Talk with Jason Goff on the full goal. Flies in with a two-handed slam dunk. Brought to you by The Ringer, a Spotify original. So a couple of years ago, during the NBA draft, uh, pre-draft process, where you're sitting around pouring over tape and trying to figure out where this team is going to go, the most likelihood and where the lottery ball should have landed, the Bulls should have had the sixth pick. Uh, from the draft in the draft in 2019, I guess it is two two years ago, 2020. Uh, and when the lottery gets revealed, the Bulls move all the way up to the fourth spot. So I went from watching as much Tyrese Halliburton as one man can watch because I thought Tyrese Halliburton was going to be that dude coming out of Iowa State. And every once in a while, you get one right, and I feel like uh, I'm I'm going to get one right with Tyrese Halliburton. But the Bulls took a six foot nine, six foot eight, uh, two hundred and thirty-five pound, nineteen uh, year old. I think at the time, eighteen year old uh, freshman who came off the bench out of Florida State for Leonard Hamilton in the ACC, named Patrick Williams. And that draft leading up to it was the Lamelo Ball, James Wiseman, and Anthony Edwards draft. And looking back on it, Anthony Edwards damn sure looks like the number one pick overall in that joint. LaMelo Ball doesn't look like too far off of what should have been the number one pick. And James Wiseman, the jury's still out. People still feel good about him. Of course, the injury, the injuries so far early on in his career have hampered his production and, and ability to get any kind of traction right now in the NBA. Uh, but he's with a team that doesn't depend on him. Uh, the way those other two teams depend on LaMelo and Anthony. But we knew going into the draft that it would be a quote-unquote three-player draft. And then after that, we see what you got. And our tourist, Carter Chauvis and Mark Eversley, uh, who were welcomed by Bulls fans as, you know, new faces, new ideas, new energy. Our tourists coming from that Denver program who had developed through the draft and, you know, picked some terrific players. Uh, traded for some terrific, I mean, trading for Jokic, right? If I'm not mistaken, it was part of the Doug McDermott trade uh, from the Bulls. <laughs> uh, Gary Harris and the pick that became Jokic, I believe, and, and I think the pick that became Yusuf Nurkic. Well, I could be wrong on that, but I believe Jokic was in that trade some way, somehow. And you, you go out and draft a Michael Porter Jr. when a lot of people were running away from him because of his back issues. Jury's still out on him, but they were... Uh, they've seen enough in Denver to give him a max deal, even with the back issues. So that's a piece for the future that that Arturis Karnaschovas had a hand in uh, selecting, being a part of that front office. Jamal Murray, of course, stud. You see what the Denver Nuggets are without Jamal Murray. They go from a team who is contending in the Western Conference Finals to a team that's going to get bounced in the first round this year by the Golden State Warriors. Monte Morris, 
second-round pick, right? I mean, a guy who's one of the best backup point guards in the NBA. They go to Iowa State, say that kid is going to be a dude who could play ball at a high level immediately. He comes in and is damn near at the end of his rookie year, takes over the backup start, uh, the backup point guard job. So Arturis Kardashovas and Mark Eversley from Toronto and also for his Nike connections, the Bulls seemingly had put together a front office that was going to tap into not just the resources in terms of relationships around the league, but having that keen developmental eye to get players that might be flying under the radar that you can kind of build your foundation with. So in a three-person draft, when Mark Eversley and Arturis Karnaschovas break through and, and show the rest of the Bulls nation, who've been sitting back waiting for this breath of fresh air, this change of regimes in the front office, waiting to see what they had. Okay, three-player draft. You got the fourth pick. Let me see what you're working with. They picked Patrick Williams, 6'9", 230-pound, 18-year-old out of Florida State. When I saw Patrick Williams, I thought to myself, this kid's measurables are off the charts. How is he only coming off the bench in the ACC? Right Then you go back and watch some of his high school tape and you see his point guard roots and you see his temperament as well, which always is what stuck out to me. I watched, I, and I actually talked to a people, couple people who were at the, the run in LA, I believe it was, when it was Spencer Dinwiddie and some of the other boys out there and Patrick Williams was the best player on the court. And this is, this is after the draft process. This is before the draft process, I should say. So people around the NBA were already talking about this dude. Um, then he's selected, and then you get to see him in person, and you get to see him in summer league, and you get to see him move around, and you go, okay, there it is. And I, I, I affectionately dubbed him Baby Kawhi because of his demeanor, because of his large hands, because of his um, defense, defensive, you know, defensive-minded nature and, and his acuity. You know, his mental acuity on defense, you could tell that this is a dude who understands how to play defense and where to be. It was just, could you get him to be aggressive enough? And now we are going on three years later, two, two years in, the, in a playoff series later, a couple years in a playoff series later, uh, game three, after back-to-back solid games in game one and game two, especially game two, when he was uh, attacking Brooke Lopez anytime he was uh, tasked to guard him where I thought even though Giannis had, what, 33, 18, and 7 or something like that, Patrick Williams did a decent enough job against him, slowing him down. There was a couple of times where Pat and those boys were retreating when Giannis was getting that head of steam, and then we were pulling our hair out. Well, I ain't got none. So KG was pulling his hair out in the studio, like, come on, Pat, stop retreating. But the way he played in game two belied those words that he made, the statement that he said coming into the game, which is, He's good, but he's not God, in reference to Giannis Antetokounmpo. For Patrick Williams to come out tonight and go 0 for 9, 0 for 4 from 3, go to the line only twice, have four rebounds, one assist, two steals, and one point. One point in 30 minutes of action? Man, let me tell you something right now. He is getting very close to a, a very dangerous territory in a lot of people's eyes of, uh-oh, this might be who he is. This just might be. If, if you got, This man had 35, his career high, the final regular season game of the season. 
When the sixth seed had already been locked up, it was understood who you were going to play. Most likely it was going to be the Bucks. Everybody rests. Let the young fella go out there and ball against the Minnesota Timberwolves. And he did. The same way he did in moments in, in summer league when nobody was on that team. And Ayo DeSumo was like a, a, a guy that we thought might be relegated to the G League. And boy, were we wrong. But for Patrick Williams, in a moment where, yeah, all right, Vooch may not have it. Yeah, even though he went eight for 17. Man, Vooch was five for eight from two and three for nine from three. Well, like, that's all you need to know. Stop shooting those. <laughs> And where Zach Levine takes 13 shots and DeMar DeRozan only gets off nine because of the way they were defending him. Some of those shots got to spill over to you. Alice Caruso is the one who's dictating the pace and the tempo and where everybody's going out there. You're a de facto point guard. The guy that's supposed to be eating out there is you. If Patrick Williams sees that Giannis Antetokounmpo is on DeMar DeRozan or is shading DeMar DeRozan. You're talking about weak side cuts. You're talking about alley-oops, you know, vertically challenging the defense. The corner three, the rainbow three. I mean, so many things available there. So many shots turned down. And then to not draw iron all night from the field? I mean, not draw iron, but not, not to hit the net? I mean, that's, uh, I don't know what to say. Like, this is one of those games where, yeah, Will, after the game, Will Purdue, my colleague, said, this is, you, you burn this one, you throw it away. I, I, I can't burn it. I, how many times have we seen this kind of response when you thought that the, in, the, the absolute opposite of it was necessary and coming? They knew the Milwaukee Bucks were aware that they didn't have Chris Middleton coming into this game. You think they were going to play softer? You think they were going to play with less energy, with less intensity, with less focus, with less discipline? No. They came out here and acted like the champions. It's going to be interesting to see what happens on Sunday. Game four, a nationally televised game once again, right, as all these playoff games are. But for this one to be center stage five years in the making, Patrick Williams, and I, and I hate to you know, get down on, on the young fella like this, but it's all hands on deck right now. If Zach's knee is bothering him and Vooch is having issues with shot selection and DeMar DeRozan is getting bracketed and Alex Caruso is coming off a bad back and a broken everybody got something going on. Everybody has something going on, just like everybody has something going on on the Bucks. Every team has their own little personal storylines and trials and tribulations just like this one has. All that shit needs to get put to the back seat at this moment. <laughs> it's the playoffs. If you can't get up for a playoff game, if you can't answer and know that somebody's coming out there with a huge right hook, like they're coming out there with haymakers, you didn't think that was going to happen? So either you didn't think it was going to happen and got jumped, which, shame on you, or you knew it was going to happen and didn't respond, which is also shame on you. Like, this... You can get beat, but this kind of response is something that I don't think anybody in that arena thought was coming, including the 15 guys who had to suit up tonight for the Chicago Bulls. So I hate to put it all on Patrick Williams, but young fella, if you're looking around and the OGs ain't out there producing and y'all are getting slapped around, feel free. Feel free to take as many shots as you need. Feel free to take it to the basket. I, I will never forget two years ago when Thad Young, uh, on, on my podcast, on a different platform, but on my podcast, said to me, hey, man, 
He had to tell Patrick Williams, not a, not a whole bunch of dudes who should be eating before you. And that was on a bad team. That was on the team that they got the fourth pick. There's a reason why he's the fourth pick in the draft and he's here. Because some of the players that he was playing with weren't good enough and got, got enough wins to push them further down in draft order. So that, the fact that you're here means that you have to be, you have to be an aggressive, foundational piece. Patrick Williams got a whole hell of a lot of talent wrapped up inside of him, man. And I hope game four, it comes spilling out. Because game one and two was just scratching the surface. I'm not here to pat Patrick Williams on the back for 12 and 9 or 12 and 10 or 10 and 8. Talking about that's all we need from you. Nah, homie. I need 25 and 8 if you got it in you. I need whatever you have in you. It's the end of the season. There's decisions that are going to be made. This team's not going to look like this after this postseason. So let it all hang out. They got another chance on Sunday. If they do not respond in the beginning of this game on Sunday, game four, and it's a noon game at that, right? So you get a game, you get a day where you get to lick your wounds, figure out life, take it back to the lab, maybe watch a little film, do whatever you got to do. And then you got an early game. You got the first game of the Sunday schedule. Yeah. If you can't be ready for this, if you need more emphasis than that, then uh, the, the previous 84 games or so really, really weren't a reminder of what you have gotten yourself into as a team now that has a target on its back. This is no longer the Bulls of, oh, yeah, look at that, look at that tough, young, spunky team with Lowry Marketing and Wendell Carter Jr. And, and Zach Levine. They traded Jimmy Butler and it's a rebuild. No, that's over. Dude's got to answer the bell now. They out here swinging with the big boys. You don't want to get embarrassed. You can get beat. Just don't get embarrassed. And that's exactly what happened in game three. Time for some commercials. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier, thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. 
Hey guys, this is Ozzy Guille and you are listening to the full go with Jason Goff on the ringer in Spotify. Yeah, I know, Sox fans, I led you astray. I threw a same-game parlay out there uh, today. If you're listening right now, it's, it's what is it? Well, what's today's? It's Friday night, right? Yeah, we're recording on Friday, so I threw this out there earlier today. Um, same-game parlay where I thought Yasmani Grandal would have two-plus total bases, Eloy would hit a home run, and the White Sox would, uh, would win by a run and a half. And none of that happened. So. I led you astray. And you know why none of it happened? It's because your man, Tony LaRusso, can't wait to put Leori Garcia in the number two hole. The, the, the Leori Garcia coming into that game who was batting 069, huh? You know, on your radio dial, right? You know, 069. That's, that's what he was hitting, right? And, and, and trust me, I am a person who loves that number <laughs> for various reasons, right? With the O in front of it. But, Nah, not not when my second hitter is hitting that. And in, in today's baseball, where, you know, as kids, we grew up like, oh, man, best hitter. As kids, this is what, and, and I'm going to show you how old I am. You, you put your, your, your best leadoff person at leadoff, right? You put your speed or person who's going to get on base the most at leadoff. Then you put your little contact guy there at second in case you got to bunt him over or sacrifice, get him over to second. Or if that leadoff guy gets on second, you know, on a double, you, you bunt him over, get him over third. You're your most fundamentally sound dude with the bat at that two hole. And then you put your best hitter at three and then your best power hitter at four and then so on and so forth. Flip over your lineup all the way down. Nowadays, the best hitters in baseball again putting that two hole because you want as many at bats as possible for that best hitter right i remember joe madden doing it with anthony rizzo for a while and doing it with chris bryant hell chris bryant i believe is batting second right now for the colorado rockies say suzuki is doing it for the chicago cubs your best hitter is supposed to be in that two hole and guess what tony rooster keeps on doing ladies and gentlemen he says my best hitter is Leori Garcia because he plays the game the right way. This shit is becoming less fun the more this season goes. And I know it's very early on here, but man, with the injuries to the pitching staff early on in this joint and, and, and Tony LaRusso putting out these confounding-ass lineups, putting Leori Garcia in the two-hole because you like the way he plays the game, in no world should lay... Shout out to my man Lawrence Holmes because we talked about this. In no world... Should Leori Garcia be getting more bats than Jose Abreu in no world, right? But this is what Tony Russo is on right now, so we'll uh, we'll keep following it, and I'll keep giving you bad same game parlays right here on the Full Go Podcast with Jason Garcia. It's the Full Go, baby. All right. It's all the time we have for episode 93 of the Full Go Podcast. Make sure you join us on Sunday as we recap game four of Bulls-Bucks. Ah, is it going to be Bulls-Bucks 3-1? Or is it going to be tied up 2-2? Tune in and we'll have more for you. As always, don't forget you can hit us up on the Full Go voicemail line, 773-359-3103. That's 773-359-3103. Thank you, as always, to our production staff, the active Jesse Lopez, and, of course, the shadowy figure known as Steve Cerruti. For Steve and Jesse, I'm Jason Goff, thanking you for listening to this pod, downloading this thing, sharing this thing, rating and reviewing it, giving it all the stars in the world. Whatever you do for and with this pod, we truly, truly appreciate you. So for the fellas, 
I'm Jason, thanking you for listening to the Full Go Podcast with Jason Goff, brought to you by The Ringer. Spotify is the gang. As always, we leave you with this. Take care of yourselves and be safe. Talk to you soon. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.